Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. The news is just constantly flowing in. The latest news from RTA, plan would see state paying for hotel costs for Erasmus students. Of course, Erasmus students working in the EU member states currently on the government mandatory hotel quarantine list may not have to pay for the service. Uh, There is question marks now over the whole mandatory quarantine as well, whether it's constitutional. That's part of the whole question as well. Um, I've seen people online today saying, why not quarantine everybody that comes into the country? (laughs) Personally, and I'm sure you have your opinion and you're quite entitled to come onto the show and disagree with me, I believe quarantining is completely unnecessary. I believe it's going to be, it's just going to be the death of the aviation industry. Already in Britain, they're now considering lifting the quarantines that they already have um, because they were brought in only recently in Britain as well, but not to the extent they're being brought in here. We're quite unique in the way we're doing quarantine in this country. We may not just have, we may not have any tourism industry at all at this stage. And when you look at what's happening tonight, for example, just to give you an idea, for the 394 cases tonight, but you have to look at this in a little bit more detail. As of 5pm on Saturday, the 10th of April, 178 people were tested in walk-in centres in Mulholland, 212 were tested in Finglas, and they have a 6% positivity rate. Now, that's 6% of the people who went to the test centres. There's also one in Ballyfermot, Waterford City, Limerick City, um, Crumlin, um, and I don't know, there's a total of maybe seven or 800 people there. 5% positivity, 6% positivity rate. Um, these are people who are asymptomatic because to go to one of those test centres, you cannot have any symptoms. You must be perfectly fine. When I say perfectly fine, you can, might have another underlying condition or something like that, but you don't have COVID as such. You don't have any sore throats or coughs or anything like that or temperatures or anything like that. So realistically, we're getting a lot of positive cases at random of people who don't actually have any symptoms. Um... Nobody died. The majority of deaths, there hasn't been that many deaths this month. I know you're seeing them every night and you see announced 34 deaths or 22 deaths. But if you look at the small print, all of those or most of those deaths happened in December, January, February and March and didn't actually happen in April at all. Uh, One or two of them on occasion did. So the majority of those haven't happened in April. And we would expect a lot of people to die because, unfortunately, the most popular time to die in any year is usually December, January, February and March, no matter what you're dying of, by the way. And I'm not denying COVID-19 exists before anybody jumps down my throat. I certainly haven't. But generally, they are the times that people die because that is the winter season. And people who are very unwell uh, don't go through the winter season very well, particularly if you're elderly and very unwell because respiratory diseases are rife during the winter season. So we would expect more people to die in December, January and February. Obviously, a little bit more has died than usual, and that would be fair to say. And we'll know that probably later on this year. By the way, we won't know it yet, but we'll know by the end of the year what the excess, what they call the excess mortality rate is. In other words, did the same number of people die this year as last year and the year before and the year before? If we look at last year's deaths, by the way, last year's mortality rate wasn't really that much higher than previous years. In fact, it was actually lower than one or two of the previous years. So in saying that, although, yes, 4,785 people have died who were COVID positive, I disagree completely with manipulation of words. And manipulation of words is quite annoying, particularly when it comes to some of the mainstream media. When I see a, a statement like the number of COVID or people who have died from COVID-19 is 4,785, 4, firstly, that's a completely incorrect statement. 
It is completely untrue. It's not factual. And it only serves to frighten people. Firstly, uh, Leo Varadkar himself admitted that I think there was nearly 500 of those people weren't even tested. They were suspected COVID cases. And the vast majority of those people who died of COVID-19, the vast majority, were people who were elderly and unwell and had very serious underlying conditions. Now, that is not to say that their lives were important. Of course their lives were important. That is not to say that some of those people could have lived longer if they didn't get COVID-19. Of course they could have lived longer if they didn't get COVID-19. But it's a fact of life that people die. And people die all the time. And we, we shouldn't be scared of the fact that people die. In the meantime, we are continuing our restrictions. Uh, today was supposed to be you know, a day of lifting some restrictions, but they only lifted restrictions that we weren't doing anyway. Not everybody was adhering to the 5K anyway. The idea that suddenly we're allowed to meet a friend outside, people were doing that anyway. I mean, people because people are exhausted with these restrictions. We're human beings. We meet our friends and we interact. And in the meantime, of course, Britain lifted restrictions. And today, I'm sure if you're watching Sky News tonight, all over Britain, you will see people in beer gardens, in China Point, and you will see people in restaurants, outdoors. You will see guys and girls, primarily girls, going into pennies, or pre-mark as they call it over there, and all the sports stores and other retail outlets. So they're starting to lift the restrictions. They're already talking about, as I said, uh, holiday travel this year in Great Britain. Meanwhile, here in Ireland, we have experts in RTE telling us the doom and gloom that we won't be going to gigs, events, football matches for the next two or three years. Ireland's vaccine rollout has hit another brick wall again now this evening when they've announced that AstraZeneca will now only be given to over 65s, which probably should have been the case in the first place. And that, in turn now, has meant that a lot of um, appointments this week will now be cancelled. The vaccine rollout will now get delayed. It won't be the end of June after all. It looks like it, it, this is just like a, a groundhog day, as Ashley mentioned a few minutes ago. Um, meanwhile, to give you some example, and I talked to you about lockdowns before, by the way, I'm not a COVID denier. I'm not a right-wing conspiracy theorist. I don't believe in all the Bill Gates stuff and all the other crazy stuff that I, well, I believe it's crazy. Some people believe it. I don't believe in any of that kind of stuff. I certainly believe there's a virus that can be dangerous to people, particularly those in vulnerable groups, particularly those who are over the age of 80. And because that's what we've seen so far with the median age being 83 or whatever it is now at the moment. It was 87 at one stage over January. But what I do believe is that we should be spending all our resources protecting the vulnerable, which I hope we're doing with a vaccine and protecting those vulnerable people. In the meantime, those under the age of 65 who are really not really at risk at all, very few have actually died under the age of 65. Sadly, yes, I know somebody will give me an anecdotal story of somebody who was unwell under the age of 65 or somebody who died under the age of 65. And my condolences to anybody who did. But before COVID-19 came along, I knew people who died under the age of 65. You know, some people 40, 50. And we heard of a man today on the radio. We talked to a woman whose uh, boyfriend or husband or whatever he was, partner, died in his 30s of a heart attack. So I could give you anecdotal stories all the time of people who die unnaturally. And that can happen. You know, we have to accept that in life. If we can avoid it, well and good. But when we look, for example, at lockdowns and the purpose of lockdowns, from what we can see from evidence around the world, they're not making any difference. Yet Ireland is in one of the longest lockdowns in the world. And like you take Houston, Texas, for example. A month ago, local health experts and politicians blasted the governor, Greg Abbott's decision to end the mask mandate and remove all the restrictions. But Texas is open for business. There's no restrictions, no statewide masks. Despite this, 
people have noticed, and the figures prove it, the case numbers have plummeted. They've dropped. Quite the opposite to what would have been expected. Florida have had no uh, lockdown since last July, I believe. Yet they have lower case numbers per head of population than California, which have had the strictest lockdowns. Sweden. I know people mention Sweden and they're going to say, of course, but Niall, more people died in Sweden. <clears throat> Absolutely. More people did die in Sweden than Ireland. But look at the variables. Their population is twice ours. They have an older population than Ireland. And when you take that into consideration and work out the variables involved, they've probably had less deaths than us per head of population when you look at the over 65s. And yet they've had no lockdowns. They've had some restrictions. Uh, they've never closed businesses, never closed schools, never done a lot of that. But they've had some restrictions where they've asked people, you know, not to dine out in large groups, no outdoor gatherings, etc., etc. But nothing to the extent that we've had here in Ireland. So the argument is, is that lockdowns are not working, but the government are not looking at that science. Their only tool in their toolbox is to keep us all locked up. According to many scientists and many credible scientists around the world, Lockdowns don't work. They make no difference. All they do is drag it out a bit longer. So, and I suppose that's the government's argument, isn't it, to protect the HSE. The HSE are not under pressure at the moment. But according to Neffet, if we remove the restrictions, suddenly they will be. But how long more are we going to do this for? How long? Let me know what you think. And I want to ask you what you would do not what I would do. What would you do if you were Stephen Donnelly or if you were Neffid or you were Michal Martin tomorrow? Would you say, ah, to hell with this. This is not working. This plan just isn't working. Let's protect the vulnerable and just let everybody else go about their business. Forget about all this stuff. It's just not working. It's not making any difference. I mean, if you were to listen to the zero COVID people, we know the group of scientists I'm talking about, they would have us believe that we should be able to get the case numbers down to five or six. That would be impossible, by the way, if you have walk-in test centres. At 5 or 6% positivity rate with people who are feel perfectly fine. I mean, that horse has bolted a long time ago. So let me know what you would do. Pardon me. Well, let me know what you would do. And I want you to text 87 Would you remove all the restrictions and lockdowns? Get rid of the mandatory quarantine, all the rest of it? Or would you make it even tougher? Some people believe we should have tougher lockdowns. Not let people leave their homes at all, unless it's completely necessary. Let me know what you would do. The number is 87 Philip, you're an Ireland's classic kids. How are you doing, Philip? Hi, Niall. Yeah, how are things? Good. Uh, Good Philip. There. What would yeah. you do, Philip? Yeah, I, well, I would, firstly, I would have allowed this conversation, everything you've just said, to be broadcast to, you know, a large, you know, nationwide audience. And we have a proper conversation on what the science actually says about lockdowns. Because, like you said, Stephen Donnelly has been getting all this hate, uh, you know, and obviously the violent threats are completely out of order. Yeah, I wouldn't condone any of that. Like, we need, and we should have done this a year ago. Look at the science, look at what actually works. But instead, like you said, we've allowed a precedent to be set where cases equal lockdown. And I said it today to a group of my friends. This winter, I wouldn't put it out of the question, even with the vaccine, we're going into another lockdown. And I, I I think because the vaccine, you can still test positive for COVID. Mm-hmm. So we are, you well, know. So, we well, have, so they're saying, but although the evidence suggests that in yeah. the long term, the vaccine may create some sort of herd immunity, which will stop that from happening. But that could be Eventually. in the long term. 
yeah. You, you'll, you'll be prevented from getting the most serious symptoms, yeah. um, but you can still, yeah. Like, uh, uh, and that's that's my, like, it, like I would start, if I, if I was in charge, I would say, right, let's actually discuss the efficacy of lockdowns. Let's look at this in a more holistic sense. Um, and, and the other thing I was thinking too, Noel, is we're thinking, like, tomorrow. We need to be thinking two, five years ahead. Like you said, the aviation industry is facing ruination. Our, our tourist industry is facing ruination. And I know so many friends of mine, they're, they're looking at leaving. You know, they're, they're talking about going to places like Croatia, the Netherlands, you know, and the UK even. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if I was, I mean, obviously I don't want to put a crook in our toe, but if I was Google, Facebook, any of these big FDA companies, I'd be looking at the UK now and saying, you know, they've got their... They've yeah, got but their with a lot of those, but, yeah, but a lot of those companies, the tech companies in particular, they're making out like bandits during this COVID-19. And realistically, they don't need their staff to be in the office. The staff can work from home. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, like when you, you said as well, like attracting in like new talent, you know, a lot of these multinationals, they, they look for, you know, they, you know I, I work for multinational now. You know, they look abroad for like, you know, mm-hmm. the best, the top talent. And of course, to Ireland too. But um, I suppose my point is, like, you know, we're, we're looking at a, a, a protracted recovery here instead of, okay, can we, how quickly can we get back on track? Uh, as I said, I know friends, they're like, they're looking abroad now to, to actually move out of Ireland. And do you, um, do you think it would be lunacy, suicide, to turn around now and say, let's remove the mandate, the mask mandate, let's remove the restrictions, let's remove the lockdowns, and let's just go back to what we were doing? Do you yeah. think that would have a devastating effect on, on the country? You see, that's, that's it. Yeah, um, I, like, I, I don't fully um, mind the masks, to, to be honest now, because I, I've travelled in Asia and I see that they're just a, a kind of a cultural thing there. Now, I know there is a, a cohort in Ireland and they think masks equal slavery and all of this sort of stuff. And, and there's an argument to how well they actually work. But, I, but I'd still be happy yeah, but to if you, Yeah, but in Asian countries, I, I'm, by the way, I'm yeah. not anti-mask, but I'm just saying in Asian countries, although you're saying it's cultural, it's not mandatory. It's not mandatory. Yeah, exactly. It's not mandatory now. Like, the thing is now, I, I, would, I, I wouldn't say, okay, get rid of everything. You know, I, I wouldn't advocate for a free-for-all, but at the same time, you know, people saying lockdowns are the only answer. You know, I think there's a nice in-between we can strike where we can open up business and, you know, not, not um, you know, put businesses in chains, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like you said, protect the vulnerable. Um, but I think, you know, I think that's the most yeah. important part of all this. I mean, and to be honest with you, the vulnerable are those, say, over the age of 80, those that underlying condi- are serious underlying conditions, but are always the ones at risk. The majority yeah. of the rest of the population were never really at risk. Exactly. Like, the thing, the, the way yeah, the way the way I look at it with the mask thing as well, like you know, I can still do my shopping. I have a mask on. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's no big deal. Like really, I mean, if you're well, to you a mask, and to you, it's not. And to me, and to, to me, it's know. not. I couldn't give a damn. But to yeah. many people, it is a big deal because, and the reason yeah. they feel it's a big deal is well, from some people find them very uncomfortable. But the other big deal is people believe that they don't have a choice, so it takes their freedoms and their liberties and all that. Do you buy into all that, or is that does that matter? Yeah, I, I have heard that now. Like, and, and I, I, you know, there's elements of that that I'd be about, like COVID passports and things like that. Um, I that's think a that's, two-tier system, and I, 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 it's a slippery slope. That oh, it like, is a slippery uh, slope. Yes, you, like, and people say the mask leads to the passport and the passport. You know, so they always the argument is that it starts with the masks. But I think we need to look at it. Okay, well, what 
what are civil liberties there? You know, wh- wh- where is a limit there? Okay, can we just stop at the masks? Okay, fine. Okay, let's let's just have masks. You well, know, we, we uh, can see it's not going to stop with that because we've already yeah. been told by Michal Martin and Leo Varadka that after yeah. June there'll be additional freedoms for those who are vaccinated. And, so. and that's the thing they they're overstepping, which fuels the kind of the the kind of conspiracy theories. You know, they they almost make this. You know, I'm sure you've heard of this great great reset thing, and mm-hmm. they make that you know look believable. You know, when they start saying you know, we're going to build a better society after COVID and things like that. That's build, build back better, isn't that the word? Build it? back better, yeah. And yeah. They, start saying, they start saying the same things that the World Economic Forum are saying. It's like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, you're thinking maybe all these conspiracy theories weren't as mad as we thought they were. Like, exactly. I mean, it is bizarre because you're right, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think back to some of the callers I would have had in the show here three or four years ago, and they would have said, oh, Niall, it's all coming very soon. Yeah. You know, you won't be able to leave your own home and they'll, Bill Gates will be involved. Oh, they'll be putting... Geez, and, you know, and you know what the most interesting one? They'll be putting microchips into your necks. And I kind yeah. of went, oh, would you go away that with your tinfoil hat? And you know what I read today? Yeah. In the Daily yeah. Mail today... The Pentagon have just invented a chip that, when injected into the human body, can detect COVID nineteen. I said, "Ah, stop! This is oh just bu- this just <laughs> plays into the hands of the conspiracy theorists." Yeah, yeah, I like I know it's like, and then you hear, um, "Oh, you know, we want to reduce." Um, I seen an article: ninety seven percent of Irish people won't own cars in five years' time, and. You know, it's always about we're going to limit people's access to certain parts of the country. And, like, the thing is, like, there, there are elements of truth in all of that. Well, of course, but, yeah, well, yeah, we, uh, want, we want to remove diesel and petrol cars by 2030. But, by the way, I I'm, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not a big climate change protester or anything. I don't go out in the streets giving out about climate change and all that. But I think that's just natural evolution. I, You know, I mean, yeah. we, we moved from steam-powered cars back when Henry Ford started, you know, building cars in the first place to, you know, petrol cars or gasoline, as it was called at the time. Then we moved to diesel because we believed it was cheaper and easier to hand, to get and easier to refine. And now we're kind of going back to petrol again. I mean, diesel cars will be gone in about four or five years. So we're going back to petrol hybrids and electrics. So there's always yeah, a progression, exactly. you know, when it comes to cars. I must, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah exactly. and, and I think exactly like... Uh, uh you know, really, I think with our government, a lot of it is, a lot of it is uh, laziness and incompetence. Uh, and people are saying, oh, they, they're these central are they, inc- are they incompetent? Do you believe that Simon Harris, um, Stephen Donnelly, Leo Varadkar, Michal Martin, do you think they're a comp- they're, are they a competent set of individuals to, I mean, to run a country? This isn't very academic now, Noel, but I, I don't know if you've seen Simon Harris's TikTok or anything. I don't know if you're I on haven't. that, but my God, it's... <laughs> Ashling has just said I haven't seen it. Ashling just said to me here she thinks it's good. Well, Ashling, what, what, what is it, Ashling? Now, look, I know we all laugh, and when I saw it myself, I said, "Jesus Christ, does he not have more time to, things to be doing on his hands than making TikTok videos?" But in all fairness, he is making these videos that yes, they may be cringy. I get it. He's trying to appeal yeah. to the young hip he's dudes. He's trying to appeal yeah. to the young ones, and like I get it. Like there's a part of me going, as much as it's stupid, I'm like, well, fair. Well, he's doing more than Stephen Donnelly's doing, and I never thought yeah. I'd say that I want Simon Harris yeah. as a yeah. health minister. <laughs> but I'm saying this. Well, okay, okay. Yeah, well, well maybe uh, he, is, he is appealing to a market, isn't he, I suppose? He, 
and, and you see, that's the thing as well. Like, you know, that's that's what they're relying on now. It's spin. You know, I have TikTok. I'm so cool. And, you know, <laughs> and it, 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 like, I laugh myself now and all. But, well, the spin, but my, they're paying a lot of money for the spin. And all you got to, I mean, you've seen that Stephen Donnelly's well-trained in that now. No matter what you say to him, and even yeah. if, you, if you give him a really critical question about something yeah. he's made a complete balls of, he'll turn around and he'll start his answer with, but today is a good day, let me tell you. And I go, yeah. hey, how did he come out of that one well? <laughs> but stay, but, stay there just for a second. So, but I, I, okay, so Philip, if it was your choice, right? You're the leader tomorrow. You're Fianna Fall, or you're, you know, Miha Martin or you're Leo Varadkar. And it's your decision tomorrow to make yeah. the changes, right? What would you do? I, I would I would largely open up again. I would I would go back. I I'd, I'd reopen our, I, and I and I'd have a I'd have a, a short term and a long term plan to reinvigorate, re-energize our tourist industry, and let's get Ireland back on track again. Um, once the vulnerable are protected, vaccinated. Um, yeah, but, also, but isn't that what, yeah, but isn't that what they're saying anyway? So the vaccine rollout is a disaster and, and being hit yeah, by another disaster yeah. today with AstraZeneca. So would you would you wait for another few months till the vaccine rollout is complete? Mind you, the majority I, but, of vulnerable have already been vaccinated anyway. Yeah. I, I, on that, I would bypass the EU. And I know this is going to raise a few eyebrows. I'd go straight to Putin and I'd say, here, sign us Sputnik. up for a couple of million batches of that Sputnik and let's get let's get on with it. Just sound, it just sounds dodgy, by the way, doesn't it, Sputnik? <laughs> Even if it was the best vaccine in the world. By the way, did I see in Baltimore, in the factory that makes the Pfizer vaccine, there's a new factory producing the Pfizer vaccine, it was in the news there that 15 million doses had to be chucked out because they put yeah. the, the wrong ingredients in it. That's, I, you, you would actually imagine I was making that up, wouldn't you? It was in the New York Times there, was it yesterday, the day before. 15 Monty million dollars. Now, this particular factory, by the way, hasn't been approved by the FDA because they've had numerous breaches in the past of funguses on the walls and cracked vials and stuff like that. So I think that they've upped their game a little bit now to, to get the contract to produce the Pfizer vaccine. But they were producing the AstraZeneca vaccine in, a, in the other side of the factory. And what they did was they got the ingredients all mixed up and put them in the wrong vials. Uh yeah. Beggar's belief, isn't yeah, it? You couldn't, yeah, you couldn't make that stuff up. But, 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 but by the way, just so I don't want to scare people because those vials, these bad vials have all been dumped, by the way. So they're not going into yeah. anybody's arm just in case people are getting panicky. Uh, Joan, yeah. you're an Ireland's classic kids. How are you doing, Joan? Uh, hello, Niall. I'm in great form. Thank you very much. You've had I, your second dose, have you? I did indeed. And against what the government tell us, um, actually, I have to think up a new word for the government, but against what they're telling us, my chemist and all medical people, including family members, only six days after you get it. So I'm grand now. I'm so you're bulletproof. Days. You're bulletproof now. I'm bulletproof You're 82 now. and bulletproof. <laughs> Absolutely. But I'll tell you, there's a catch before I start saying Philip, can you more. believe she's 82? <laughs> she sounds like a young one. She sounds like a young one. There. The youth is there. I'm yeah. not, I was shocked. Shocked. Yeah, she's the mind of a young one. Sorry, but Joan, do you? Yeah. Do you have faith in? I mean, forget about your vaccine for the moment, and you got it in your oh, hand yeah, and everything. Sure. Except that, of course, vaccine. Like I should be celebrating it, and yet I can't go to Dublin to see half my family. Ridiculous nonsense. Ridiculous. Right. Okay. okay. So, so you yep. believe that people who are vaccinated should be allowed to come and go freely? Oh, absolutely. But the whole thing is, it's common sense. It is honourability and it is being treated like adults and not primary school um, children. Because that's exactly what we've been treated. And an awful lot of people are almost to blame themselves with respect to people who say they didn't go out of their house for a year. Well, there's something other, something wrong there. I never, I 
kept every single rule and I kept going in life with the worry always that you might get the virus and yet if you were healthy and good and strong and with no testing. Now, now we have had a government. Today, we have new bosses ruling the country and they're the overindulging number, too many doctors, too many voices, too many contradictions, too many points of views. Women and men, you lose count. I've counted one night six medical people and each of them differing. They would addle you and I know, you know, I said ages ago to you that I think there should be only something like the Late Late Show, be it not the Late Late Show, that's no good, but something like that where you have questions and answers from we, mm. Joe Soap, the human beings living there with plenty of brains, but the government in their conversations, the whole lot, we are not being treated as adults. No, now, and this, by the way, can I mention in go. relation to what I said about Texas earlier on, now, of course, the uh, governor, Greg Abbott, who's not that popular, by the way, around America, but he is in Texas, obviously, um, yep. he was castigated when he suggested removing the restrictions and the mask mandate. It turns out he was right. It's made no difference. In fact, actually, their case numbers and deaths have, have, have plummeted. And he yep. said, or what they said in Texas was, most of the people are doing the responsible thing, but we see a lot of people with the mask down under the chin, under the nose. Uh, this is according to Tim Bryant, who lives in yep. Pierland. So in other words, what they're kind of saying is that when you let people do, just get on with it, most people are reasonably responsible. Now, mind you, I'm looking at a tweet here that's just been sent to me from London tonight. Um, and there's a video here. This is uh, in the middle of London. I'm going to give you a quick listen to this on my phone. But this is what the streets are like at the moment. <laughs> and uh, all the bars, all the restaurants in central London, yep. they all have these, um, you know, gazebos outside. People are sitting outside together no more than about two or three feet apart all having a ball of a time, no trouble, all just enjoying themselves, having a drink, having a meal, mainly all seem to be young people. And when I say young, you know, student types, you know? Yep. And I, my daughter probably is one of them. She's over there working with Google, as you know. They're going to go back to one day a week working in their main offices in London. Now, Boris and Johnson, by the way, can I, sorry for interrupting, Boris Johnson did say that yep. this is irreversible. Now, by that he means... He expects probably to see case numbers rise a little bit over the next few weeks. But because of the vaccines, hopefully nobody, they won't have that many casualties out of that. See, Noel, can I point out as well, um, that's that's one thing I said. Like, this needs, and and someone said that to me, it's so true. It needs to be a one-way street from here on out. I think we all need to agree, look, vaccines, cases, we're going out of lockdown and that's it. In, in my well, view. Yeah, well, you're right, because I tell you what, yeah. here's the thing. One-way street. It's right? a, it is a one-way street, because the vaccines are here now, that's what we were told, we're waiting for the vaccine, waiting for the vaccine. It's a one-way street, because if we lift restrictions and case numbers go back up, or as Tony Hall, or not Tony Hall, um, uh, what's the name, the Deputy Chief Medical Officer, Ronan Glynn, Ronan turned, Glynn. Around, turned around and said, and we go into a, a fourth wave. Yep. What, yep. what what are we going to do? Are we going to keep going into lockdowns for the rest of our lives? Because there is no other tool in the toolbox. That's no, it. no, people with a bit of common sense will not do that. First of well, all, now, Joan, you're wrong because Irish people, I am so surprised at the Irish people over the last year that they've been, I'm not, by the way, I'm not giving out to them for being compliant because the government yeah. wants to be compliant and I have to encourage people to be compliant. But I have never come across a population who are so compliant. 
Well, Niall... Bad uh, laws are made to be broken, by the way. But go on. Yeah, uh, but listen, Niall, there are also a lot of people. If you walk down the street and you take a guy, a cameraman behind you, and you see a woman... Oh, if you go near her, oh, she's got the mask on her face. She's almost running away from you, right? Mm. There are an awful lot of those. They're not the majority, but there are a good lot of those. They bring their own sort of personality into it, which isn't mm. everybody's personality. Wait till I tell you, Nile. We will never get to zero percent. If the whole world, the, the ideal would be that the whole world, the poor countries, God love them, are all vaccinated only then. But we'd all be 2,000 years of age by that time, right? <laughs> so if you want to live a good life and people are living to 100, in fact, Nile, every woman... Especially You're nearly the women, there, Joan. You're nearly there. I hope, I, hope the men, <laughs> I hope the men are listening. It's the women that are raising their arms saying, Woo, I'm 103. There's a load of them. And I, one aspect of the whole time of the last year and a half that I remember, and I used to call him Dr. Death. He's a guy, he looks Japanese, he's not, he's the whole leader of the whole World Health Organization. And he used to have a, a stare in his eyes, and I swore he saw me from wherever he was in the world, and he'd say, 82 is actually around the age that they die. Oh, yeah. I used to say, come on, sunshine, I'll race you around the block. And you, the you just, like you've just proven him wrong. By, by the but way, Niall, Joan, yep. can, I, can I ask you, did, yep. your, did your mother live to be a good age? Yes, of course she did. She lived to be 100. Did she? Oh, well then, well, then you're laughing, Joan. Oh, yeah, don't, but you don't know don't. why? It's all very simple. What to do in life is this. If we've all mostly, please God, been blessed with good health and if we've been responsible enough to try to keep that good health. Okay, I played an awful lot of sport, big serious sport, everything. I thank my parents for that. That's number one. Number two, you should have something always the week ahead of you that you have to do. When I heard people say during the whole last year and a half, I was in the room looking at four walls. Now, do you know yeah. what I did last week? Did I'm, you? Just, I'm not trying to show this off. I'm only trying to tell you. I painted the whole of my kitchen, ceiling to floor. I painted my bedroom. I cleared out the garage. Now, okay, I've got good health, but if I think um, in the right way, I will continue with that good health. My mother lived till she was 100. She didn't really die of anything. She just must have gone. Died of old age, yeah. Father. yeah. And um, she always said, which I do a lot of talking, I'm afraid, she talked you don't say. and walk. She <laughs> talk and walk. And I tell you what. I tell you, you were born talking, Joan. Well, hang on, let me just give somebody else a chance to talk as well. Stay there for a second, Joan, if you can, and Philip. Let me go to Paul. Paul, you're in Ireland's classic kids. How are you doing, Paul? Niall, how's it going, pal? You and I have spoken on about on a lot of topics over the last couple of years and dogs and stuff. But I, I am, I'm. Uh, this is possibly one of the most serious conversations you and I are going to ever have. Um, Niall, you've got your finger on the pulse, obviously being a journalist and a broadcaster. And I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, but the government released a campaign, an advertisement campaign, in relation to the new system they were bringing in uh, regarding testing for COVID-19. Yep. And they said that, and again, you can pull me up if I'm wrong, they said that uh, as part of the testing, they could recognise uh, whether or not a person was asymptomatic. They would then also be able to tell whether a person had or may not have COVID-19. And finally, maybe some, some uh, 
they could identify if some people had the antibodies. I think I think now, for I think for antibodies you have to have a blood test. That's a separate thing altogether. But go on anyway. Okay. They, but they, they were but testing anyway. a, they're asking people to come to the, the pop up test centres who are asymptomatic. In other words, you've no symptoms when you go. Yeah. That is correct. So yeah. ran randomly, yeah. Yeah. Now I I have C O P D unfortunately like yourself, I I I am a smoker. Mm-hmm. And I kinda of, because I've got C O P D and many of a lot of my friends have, I'm in a group that where where we would have uh, a lot of the I'm in a, a COPD group in the area I live in. But anyway, I went down to the centre today, and because for me and a lot of people like me, I felt this could be a game changer because there's a couple of reasons that the only vaccine that the over 60s are being offered at the moment is a highly controversial AstraZeneca vaccine, mm-hmm. and that's the only vaccine that we the over 60s are being offered. Period. Um, well, I, I don't know if that. I don't know if that's actually the case. I mean, they were they were giving some people the Pfizer at the start. I know the AstraZeneca was announced today; it'll be only given to over sixty fives. But they may be they may only be using that for over sixty fives. I don't know yet. The HSC hasn't made that statement yet. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, but hang. Sorry, Joan. Yeah. Uh, did you get Did you get the AstraZeneca, Joan? Yes. I did not. I did not. I told her I'm only getting the uh, the Pfizer uh, or, or going home. Okay, so, okay, well, well, hang on, now. just let Paul finish. Paul, so Joan, Joan is over the age of 65 and she got the Pfizer. Yeah, no, but what, no, what I'm saying, today, today's press release today, according to the Department of Health and NEPA today, they have recommended that the over 60s... Get the AstraZeneca. The, Astra, the AstraZeneca. Yeah. That's okay, right. now, mm. what, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say, the point that I'm trying to make is, when I went down to the test centre today, I thought... And I, I rang a couple of my friends and I said, look, this could be a game changer for us in the sense that if I'm asymptomatic um, or if maybe, uh, I, I've, thankfully, I've never been really, really sick. And as I said to Ashling when we were having a chat there before I came on air, um, you know, if I get the flu, I might get it every five years. But when I get it, I, oh, my God, I get it and I'm down. I'm down for about five days. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I, I would, it, might be, it might be once every five years. But anyway, when I went down to the test centres today, I asked, uh, she, the lady asked me, she was very nice, and I, I did, as I said to Ashley, I thanked her for, for her, her service and, and the fact that she was a frontline worker, and she said to me, are you here for a test? Well, I said, I don't know. I said, I've got some questions I'd like to ask you first. Now, I explained to her, I haven't, um, I, I haven't been, never been texted, thankfully, by the HSE, yeah. as, as being in a close contact around like that, and I'm 99.9% sure that I don't have COVID-19. But anyway, I, I then asked her about the, um, the, the, uh, the, the, the results then. And she said to me, I, I explained to her, as I explained to you there about, about being asymptomatic. Yep. If I do do a COVID test, will I, will I get the results back of being asymptomatic? And will I also get the results of the COVID test? And she said to me, the only results that I would get if I take a COVID test today is whether or not I have COVID-19. That's right, yeah. Now, but what the point I was trying to make is, Noel, that the government have come out and they've asked people who, who uh, haven't had COVID-19 to come down to these test centres and they did say that they would tell you whether or not you would be asymptomatic or, or whether or not you but, have but they, Yeah, but the, the problem is they can't tell whether you're asymptomatic. I mean, you're asymptomatic up to the point you got the test because otherwise you wouldn't be going for the test in the first place. But the problem is that in some circumstances, 
you could test positive, have no symptoms, and then two days later, you suddenly would get symptoms. So they don't know no, that. And they can, yeah, no, but, but they can also, if, if you request it, I believe, I don't know how true it is, you can find out what the viral load is. Now, the higher the viral load, the more likely you are to have symptoms, as far as I know. And they would probably have that information, I'm sure. So that's, well, that comes I, under the viral load. But I don't know whether I, I they give that information to the general public or not. Niall, I, I'm only, and as I said, you know, maybe I'm sure over the next few days you'll, you'll do a little bit more research on this. Um, but, uh, you know, I genuinely, and hand on my heart, and I, I've spoken to a few people who were also really under the same Illusion, impression yeah. as, as I was. Because they had seen the advertisement and they had seen... Uh, yes, yeah, what they said they were what they said according to the criteria. They're looking for people who are asymptomatic, people who have no symptoms, people who don't have a cough, don't have a cold, don't have a temperature, don't have a sore throat, or any of the normal conditions or symptoms that you expect with COVID nineteen to go and get tested. Now, so far, Mulhuddard and Finglas have had the highest rates of positivity at nearly six percent. Now, I know there's other test centres around like Ballyfermot and Waterford and Limerick and a few other places in Crumlin as well. But, um, that, I mean, 6% is quite high. So 6% of people who feel perfectly healthy actually have COVID according to these tests, which to me shows us that we will never, ever get rid of the numbers. If we want to get rid of numbers, yeah. they're not going to go away. Uh, Niall, yeah. the biggest threat that I see from today, and hopefully they'll be sorted out, uh, those, including my own daughter over in London, her, she got the first test about... Three weeks ago, AstraZeneca, right? Yeah. Now, the AstraZeneca can be given to the over 60s. They're not going to be given to the young people, so there's going to be a lot of those um, sitting there waiting. They don't have quite enough of um, the visor. But now, from 12 weeks after those who got their first fix with the AstraZeneca, they have to wait 16, 16 weeks now. Weeks. Well, that, well, that's because they want to review it, to be sure. Now, just yeah, to clarify, by the way, for those who got the AstraZeneca already, please don't go into a panic, all right, in relation to this blood clot story. I mean, it is one in or one to five people in every million doses, right? And they believe now that it may be genetic. So it may be something in the genetic makeup of certain individuals that cause this. A blood clot is not going to kill you all the time, by the way. It can, by the way, it can kill you, but very rarely will kill you. But it can kill you. But it's only one... One to five people in a million doses. Now, that's why they're saying over 65s, because realistically, in the over 65s, the risk of you dying of COVID-19 would be slightly higher than that. So you're better off with the risk of the AstraZeneca. But if you're under 65, the risk of you dying is not going to be one in five in a million. It'll be a lot less than that of COVID-19. So that's the the reason why they're saying it's okay. The risk is worth the outcome over the age of 65. But under the age of 65, it's not. But I'm sorry, I want to go back to Paul. But Paul, so did you get you? did get the test, did you? No, no. Oh, you didn't I, bother? As I said, and the, the re- no, I didn't because I, I don't have... I, I, I've, I've been very careful, Niall, for the last 13 months, right? I've been extremely careful. Yeah. And um, thankfully, you know, as I said, I'm not... A, I, I'm 99.9% sure that I don't have... I don't have COVID. Yeah. Um, but I would have taken the test. And what, but what, what stopped you if you if I mean it didn't it wouldn't have made any difference anyway because you don't have any symptoms that you're saying right? Um, right so if you got the test and it told you you were positive let's say for example why would that have made a difference to you no, because you don't have any symptoms anyway the, no but the information that I was led to believe 
was. Even if even if it had a, you know, if like Niall, I know yet I know Joan is listening there, and I've been listening very yeah. very carefully carefully to both of you. But anyone that I've spoken to in my age group, and I'll be really really honest with you, um, they're absolutely, and I and I'm not trying to scaremonger anybody, but mm. this is fact. People are terrified. A lot of people around my age are terrified of this AstraZeneca, AstraZeneca vaccine because yeah. there's been yeah. so much trouble. And also, I can, I can understand. No, I can understand that. Absolutely, yeah. And, and after the announcement today, it's like as if, well, look, they're in their 60s. You know, it's the, it's the dodgy one. Let's give it to the older ones and keep the visor for the younger ones because they're going to have a longer life. Then if we give the after the Well, I, I, I yeah. don't, I, I think, I, I don't think it's like that. And I, I get what you're saying, Paul, and that's the way it comes across, right? But, yeah. but, but listening to what, what I just said to you a minute ago, okay, so as of yet, they still can't prove that the blood clots are, or that the AstraZeneca is responsible for the blood clots, right? And to give you an example of what I mean, if you gave out a million doses tomorrow of AstraZeneca vaccine, right? Out of that million people, randomly, one to five could get blood clots anyway. Whether they had the vaccine or not. Just because randomly people get blood clots. You know, we, you might have yeah. 50 people in a country every day will get, you know, in Ireland might get a blood clot, right? Not, okay, yeah. so you could turn around and say one in five in a million people who had ice cream on a Sunday got a blood clot on a Monday. So they don't, It's at the moment, it's still technically a correlation. But it is a correlation that they can't ignore. So what, they're, so what they're doing now is looking at the genetics behind it, the ingredients involved in it. Um, so they're looking at it. So for the moment, they're saying, well, look, it's safer to give it to the over 65s because realistically, the risk of them dying of COVID-19 if they contract it is a lot higher than one, you know, five people in a million. It's a lot. So the, the risk to them is lower. Yeah, but, yeah, but can I just yeah. say something, Niall, if I may? Yeah. Why does, why does Niall Boylan have to turn around and tell, explain to me why can't Stephen Donnelly or a government minister stand up yep. and say exactly what you've just said and 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 put the and take the fear of God out of people? That's what mm. I'm saying. You go, uh, yeah, sorry, well, hang on, Joan. Sorry, Paul, you want to say... Or not yeah. Paul, sorry. Um, yeah, just Phillips. to make a point, Noel. Um, yeah, I was listening there, Paul, to what you're saying, and, I, I, like, I do understand that, like, there's a lot of kind of confusion and, you know, about the blood clots and things, but my my overall view is, look, we've had a year of nothing but fear, and now we're, we have the thing to get out of it, and we're, we're responding to that with more fear. So <laughs> when does the enjoying and living your life part start, you know? Like, the, the way I would have it is, if you don't want to get the vaccine, you don't have to get it. And I treat the vaccine just like the flu shot. You know, you get, yeah. you get it every year if you want. You don't have to get it. Here's the information, objective, studied, researched, and you have a choice. I and mean, like Paul, I said, Paul, you know how logical I am, because you listen to me, I'm sure, I, as you said you do. And my partner got the AstraZeneca vaccine. If I thought for one minute she's the most valuable person in my life, if I thought for one minute it was going to be dangerous for her, I would advise her not to get it. And uh, I... Yes, yeah, could, I, could I interrupt there, if you don't mind, just yeah. to make that other chap ease, not to worry, wait till I tell you. Those that have already got their first AstraZeneca, it happens in the first shot, not the second shot, number one. Number two, I have uh, my nephew who is researching Isle in America. He's involved in all of this, so I get quite a lot of information from him. And he said, if the choice is there... 
take the AstraZeneca, the chances of you, if you haven't had blood cuts, uh, blood um, um, uh, clots, if you're a fairly healthy person, don't give it a second thought. It is the, uh, the continuous talking about it that drives the, and we know they have to go into it, but it's a continuous talking and listening to different people. You use your common sense and say, we're getting the AstraZeneca, it may wait for 16 weeks before the second shot. But the first shot in the AstraZeneca is almost 100%, even as against the visor. The second shot is much lighter. And from that point of view, go Mm -hmm. ahead. If you're healthy, your chances are you'd be healthy the following week. Uh, But by the way, can I ask you, sorry for cutting you short, Paul, are you afraid of COVID-19? No, not a bit, not a bit. So you're more afraid of the vaccine than you are of COVID-19? No, no, no. You see, I think, I think uh, in fairness, and I don't mean to sound disrespectful to anybody, the, the, the point is, my, my main point is that at, when we started this conversation was, I went to a test centre today yep. on false information that was released by the government. Well, you, you believed you were misinformed. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, I couldn't blame you because it is confusing. Because I'll tell you what, with the greatest respect, Paul, there's so much information being given out, I wouldn't be surprised if people are confused. You know, there's um, way you know, too much information, too many figures. I mean, the, the idea that RTE are still running this daily press conference at six o'clock or whatever it is they run on an RTE news and giving us these figures. I mean, it's just nonsense at this stage. Weekly would be plenty. We don't need it every day. And, I, 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 sorry, yeah, go ahead. And, and, and I think that on top of then telling you to go to a test centre and be asymptomatic and not have a temperature and we're looking for asymptomatic people, I, I don't know, I don't ever remember them read, or reading them telling that they would identify those who would be asymptomatic versus those who would end up being symptomatic. Now, they can tell that, I believe, when they look into it more deeply and see what the viral load is, but that's not information that they normally would give out because it just gets too expensive to be doing this stuff like that. But, but do me a favour, stay there for a second because I want to go to, I think it's uh, Bogdan. Uh, hold on, i just turn on his line here. Uh, Bogdan, how are you doing? Hello, Niall, how are you? Is, is Bogdan, is that how you pronounce your name? Uh, yes, indeed. Okay, Bogdan, um, do you believe lockdowns are the answer? Um, Niall, I, th- I think they're a bit too much now after one year mm-hmm. um, to be in lockdown. Now, I got my vaccine. I'm not an anti-vaxxer or anything like that. Um, but I think, as you said before, that uh, all these uh, numbers uh, shown every day in media are um, mm-hmm. are a bit too much. For example, I wanted to, to, to ask you about the mortality rate. You know, yep. In Ireland, mortality rate is 2%, is it? But it's actually a lot lower. Worldwide, it's two, three percent anyway. No, it's it's a it's a lot lower than that, Bogdan. You're going by the you're going by the number of cases uh, versus the number of people who have died. When they they actually reckon five times as many people have got COVID than have been reported. Exactly. This is what I want to tell you. Yeah. The the, the mortality rate actually uh, takes uh, into consideration the number of confirmed cases. Yes. Now the number of cases. It's probably five uh, times higher than that. Five, actually, they did yes. in New York. They did antibody tests, and they found out that infection rates are ten times higher than the confirmed cases. Yes, possibly. Now we'll uh, never know. Now, if, if if that's the case, if you <laughs> with these numbers, the, uh, the the possibility of dying of COVID, 
are probably 0.2%, not 2%. Probably, well, they according they, to yeah, according to Professor John Lee, who we had on the air recently, uh, when you take into consideration, because we don't do asymptomatic cases or tests for influenza, um, you are more likely, You are probably he worked it out that you are two and a half times more likely to die of COVID-19 if you're over the age of 65. If you're under the age of 65, you are less likely. He said actually under the age of 60, you are four times less likely to die of COVID-19 than you are of the flu. Now, because COVID-19 particularly seems to target older people and the vulnerable groups and seems to thankfully leave children alone. Uh, now they, they use they always use in the news um, mortality rate. Now, uh, as far as I'm aware, I might be wrong now, but as far as I'm aware, there is another way to calculate another formula. You know, there are a lot of formulas to calculate different different things. There is infection yeah. infection rate, fatality ratios. Yeah, fatality rate that that counts the number of um, uh, people who died. Yes, uh, divided by the number of people who got actually the disease, which we don't know, we will never know Yes. before the pandemic uh, ends. Uh, and after we do antibody tests on population and find out how many people actually got the disease. But the way, the way, they, work out the, the way they work out the infection rate uh, is based on how many people you test versus how many people you get positive cases. Then you multiply that into the population. In other words, if you only test 100 people, let's say, for example, and you get 10 positive, well, then you can assume that if you test 1,000 people, you'll probably get 100 positive, They based on positive percentages. That's how they do infection fatality ratios. Yes. So yeah. my point is that um, uh, when I say, you say um, uh, on TV, on in the press, look, uh, mortality rate is 3% or 2%, that might, might sound scary because you think, oh, 3% of people who got the disease are going to die. Confirm, are going to die. And, Which no, is not true at all. Which, which is not true. So uh, probably at my age and even at your age, Nile, the probability of dying of COVID are, are slim. close enough to uh, the probability of dying of a uh, blood clot uh, because of AstraZeneca. Mm-hmm. Most likely, uh, by the way, my chances of dying of COVID-19 are probably the same chances I would have of dying of flu and pneumonia. You're not right, probably. You're not wrong in probably saying that either. Okay, listen, I, I, ha- I have to go to a break because I, I'm running out of time. Actually, Bogdan, if you want to stay there, you can. I'll just take one or two more after the break because a lot of people are texting in. Uh, keep texting, keep WhatsApping. Numbers 87 I'll come to Bogdan back after the break as well. Um, loads of people text- texting in. Um, let me see. Bogdan got his jab. My 75-year-old dad had a door slammed in his face by a doctor the other day because my dad was questioning why everybody else he knows has the jab. Just saying, well, I don't know Bogdan's circumstances. He may have an underlying condition. I'll ask him after the break as to why he has it because you're, you're assuming by the way he's young. He might just sound young. He might actually be a bit older than he sounds. Uh, so somebody says, Niall, you're 100% right. Look after the elderly and those who are vulnerable and let everybody else get on with their lives. Somebody else says, Niall, I'm absolutely sick as a pig listening to the audio you just played of the people in London town. My gosh. They're having a ball, a ball of the UK tonight and all very peaceful, I believe. So far, thankfully, no trouble and the police are walking around. The streets are full of people drinking and enjoying life. Well, Boris Johnson kept his promise. Uh, They're the people in London, restaurants open, bars open, not inside, outside. They have all kind of, um, you know, tents outside and uh, covers. Not that they need it. It's a beautiful night out this evening. And I would say there's probably, looking from what I can see about... All, all the streets, probably 10,000 people out on the streets, all drinking, enjoying themselves. No police stopping them. 
No 5K rules, no out-of-your-county rules. Now, they will be enjoying indoor dining within the next few weeks as well. Um, they're just testing the outdoor dining to make sure. Now, by the way, there's no social distancing. None whatsoever. Everybody's sitting beside each other. They're all right beside each other. They're all talking to each other. Nobody's stopping them. And I see very few people. I'm looking here now. Hardly anybody wearing masks. Some people are. There's probably just... I'm just looking here now. I could see probably about 100 people in this particular view. And I'd say there's about three or four people wearing masks. The rest are not. Some have them down around their chins. <laughs> and, and mainly, by the way, age group, probably 20 to 30 years of age, age group. Probably mostly all students, all like looking young people. So there you go. That's what they're doing in the UK. Meanwhile, here we're still treated like children. Uh, let me just go back to Bogdan, if I can, just to finish this up. Bogdan. Hi, now. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of people are saying, you know, when we look at lockdowns around the world... You know, and the, the research has shown that even, you know, they've examined countries all over the world with different levels of restrictions and lockdowns. And it seems to have made no difference to case numbers. Countries with strict lockdowns have a lot of case numbers and deaths. Countries with no lockdowns have little or, or the way around. It doesn't seem to make a difference. I mean, is it, are we approaching this wrong? Um, well, I, I think from the government point of view, that's the... The, the best the best approach because at the end well, of it's the, the only approach they enough, seem to have the only approach yeah because we don't have enough beds in the hospital isn't it in the, in the hospitals isn't it if we let this go um, um, its way how w- w- would we face all these people uh, with COVID how, where would, would we put them we don't have enough it's, um, how many beds in Ireland mm-hmm. 200 isn't it so, ICU um, beds, we've about 450, beds, I think. Exactly. Yeah. And different country, I would say that different country uh, has different approach because uh, it's different recipe. If you look at Sweden, um, I, uh, I, I've been in Sweden myself now, and I remember uh, people are um, responsible. Not in saying that not that Irish are not responsible. I think that that open. Uh, um, um, Approach to COVID like Sweden had wouldn't wouldn't work. Here. You you believe the Swedish are more compliant? Is that is that the point? Compliant. That's that's the word. Yeah. I, I, I think the majority of Irish people, the majority, some are. And look, you know, I think if you allowed people to be responsible, they might be responsible. The ones who are irresponsible are going to be irresponsible anyway. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you'll find that the ones currently at the moment during the restrictions who are breaking all the rules and breaking all the guidelines are going to do that anyway, no matter what you do. But the ones who are a little bit more fearful or responsible, or even if you remove the lockdowns, would be more responsible and, you know, will keep their distance, etc., etc. But by the way, Bogdan, during the break there, somebody texts in and wants to know how you got a vaccine and their father, who's 70, didn't get a vaccine. How old are you, Bogdan? I'm um, 36. And how come you did, How come you got a vaccine at 36? Uh, I work for a home care facility. So oh, okay. To, okay, to frontline work. worker. Uh, yeah. Okay, all right. Okay, that was just to answer the question for that person who didn't understand how you managed to get it before they did. All right, you're a frontline worker, and that's how you managed to get it. All right. Well, listen, Bogdan, I wish the best of luck. Listen, thank you very much. By the way, Bogdan, where are you from originally? Uh, I'm from Romania. Okay, and but, but have you got family back home? Uh, actually, my family is here in Ireland. Okay. I was I was going to uh, say, what are the restrictions like in Romania? Do they have lockdowns or restrictions? Uh, have you talked to friends? They, they were... There were some sort of lockdowns, but nothing, nothing as strict as here. Uh, to be honest, more cases, but bigger the population as well. Um, yeah, the, the Romania would have quite an old population, wouldn't they? Uh, 
Uh, I wouldn't have all the numbers now. Mm. Um, no, but I'm just saying the, the, the age of the population. Ireland, we have um, the a young, population. A young population, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 All right, listen, thank you very much indeed, Bogdan, and I appreciate you coming on the air. All right, thank you. Uh, okay, loads and loads of people texting, and I'll tell you what, sick of that now. I'm just just turning my stomach now watching that video in England. I'm so jealous. So jealous of people having a normal life. Something we can only dream of at the moment because when we listen to our government, there seems to be no light at the end of the tunnel whatsoever, huh? None whatsoever. Let's listen to that again. Let's just listen to what life should sound like, all right? Wonderful, isn't it? People shouting, laughing, dancing, whistling. Screaming. <laughs> They're just jumping around, happy, enjoying themselves. Cans of beer in their hands. Every street packed. I believe that's, I think that's London, from what I believe. And that's tonight. Okay. Um, and uh, Boris Johnson, as much as people give out about him at the start of all this, turned around and said that this is irreversible. In other words, it doesn't matter what happens, he's not going back to lockdowns again. That's not going to be the only tool in the box as far as he's concerned. He's not going back to lockdowns again. And, you know, at this stage, our government, are, you know, we've heard suggestions of more lockdowns coming up to Christmas again, back into the flu season because HSE won't be able to handle it. This has to stop being our fault because for years before COVID-19 came along, our HSE struggled every single year when it came to the winter season. You remember going back two years ago, Leo Varadkar asking the nurses and doctors not to take Christmas holidays. Do you remember that? It was always a problem. But it was never considered to be our fault. At what stage? Think about this, right? People, just think about this. Before COVID-19 came along and we had hospitals under serious pressure with A&E departments with 12 and 13 hour waiting, you know, sitting in A&E, no beds, people on trolleys everywhere. At no stage, at no stage, did the government turn around and say, well, I tell you what, you need to stop getting sick because that's just lucky he's all in your houses so you don't get sick anymore so we can take the, the break off the hospital. We, that would have never been suggested because we would have never stood for it. We would have said, hold on for a second, pals. This is your fault. You're the ones running the health service here, not our fault. Don't blame us for this. We're humans. We get sick. You need to deal with this. We would at no stage have accepted this. But now somehow we accept this because of a global pandemic. And let's be clear about this, by the way. The influenza is an epidemic as well. It is a dangerous thing. It kills a lot of people, particularly for those under the age of 65. It's just as dangerous as COVID-19. For those over 65, obviously, COVID-19 is more dangerous. So we, let's protect those over the age of 65. That's what we're doing now with the vaccines. And when we get to that point, if we don't go back to a level of normalcy or normality, questions must be asked as to, well, what is the end game? What's the end game, lads? Because if the vaccine doesn't get us back to normal because that's what you promised. You've no other tool in the the box. So what are we going to do? Are we just going to keep doing this forever? Is this the end of our lives as we know it? Is the happy... Have I just enjoyed, as I said to Aston the other day at 58 years of age, the best part of human history where we had the most amount of freedoms and we're never ever going to have that again? That's bananas, isn't it? Isn't that a weird thought? Doesn't look like that London at the moment, by the way. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.